You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So we've shifted gears from Revelation to our series on Christmas, and I am so excited about this. It is an amazing time of year. Uh, This is the time to invite people to church. It's the time people will go. Uh, There's something special about Christmas and Easter where people will come who you don't see in a long time and you just get to spend time with them and it's amazing. And so guys, really, really uh, be out there inviting your friends over the next few weeks. We're going to start this series and we're going to be we're going to cover this stuff for the next few weeks. But we're going we're gonna to start this series today with, with three questions that I want you thinking about between now and Christmas. Three questions. And here's the first question. First question is, what do you believe about Christmas? What in, in your core, in your heart, what do you believe about this holiday season? All right, because I, I think many of us believe some things, but what do you really, what do you really believe can happen when you encounter the Savior of the world? What do you believe? Second question is this. Over the next 21 days, between now and Christmas Day, will your life bear witness to what you claim you believe? Or you've got a belief, but will your life actually bear witness to what you claim you believe? Will there be aspects of your life that clearly demonstrate that you believe what you claim you believe? And third question is this. Do you really want Christ in your Christmas? Do you really want him? I know we like to get on Facebook and blast it. You know, like you, you'll, this time of year, you'll always see some person will say like Merry Xmas and someone will get on Facebook and be like, you don't get to take Jesus out of Christmas, you know, and, and they'll just defend Jesus and their next post will be about how much they hate, you know, other people in the world or whatever. And you're like, well, how did that work? Or maybe, maybe we, we, you know, we want to we put Christmas in the Capitol. Like, Why are you taking the nativity scene away? Put Jesus back on the Capitol lawn, you know. Okay, we want Christ in other people's Christmas. I've got that. But do we really want him in our Christmas? And before you answer, I really want you to think. Because imagine Christ shows up and he begins to actually give input on your holiday season. Do you really want that? Do you really want Jesus talking, looking at how much you're spending on presents versus how much you've given? You really want that? You really want Jesus put, giving input on how much you should drink at the office Christmas party or just over the next few weeks? You really want that? You want Jesus giving input on your marriage? You want him, if you're single, you want him giving input in your sexuality and your singleness? Do you really want Jesus to get in and meddle around in your, because when Christ gets in your Christmas, sometimes he can complicate it just a little bit. If he shows up in there, you may kind of be like, hey, uh, listen, I'm not trying to be rude, but I was going to do the Xmas thing this year. You know, and now here you are. Do you really, really, really want Christ in your Christmas? Do you want him meddling in your thoughts and in your business? Uh, I think it's a, Fair question to ask this time of year. Because before we tell the world to put Christ back in its Christmas, we should probably put Christ back in the church's Christmas. And you are the church. And so it starts with us. And there's this amazing passage in John chapter 5. And this is such a cool story. And I think it's so important to remember, like, sometimes Jesus shows up and asks questions. And we have to ask ourselves, is that really what I want? John chapter 5. It says, sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the uh, Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, 
One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, almost four decades. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned what he had been, that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. Okay, so, so this guy, his life has been the same way for a long time. It's been going the same direction, doing the same things for a very, very, for 38 years. He's been sitting by this pool waiting to get healed. And then Jesus shows up, and Jesus asks him a question that I'm asking you today, and I think God is asking me over this holiday. Do you want to get better? Do you really want me to get into your life? Do you really want your tomorrow to be different than your yesterday? Do you really want to leave here and do things different? Do you really want to speak different? Now, do, you really want to, do you really want everything in your life to be different? Because that's what's going to happen if I get involved in your mess. And you, you see what the guy does? He doesn't answer the question, really. He's like, he tells him all the reasons he can't. I had a conversation with a friend of mine this last week, and I'm not selling him out by, by sharing this. I'm not going to use his name, but I hope he is listening because I want to reinforce what I said on our phone call. But my friend has struggled with, uh, with alcoholism. Gosh, we, we started drinking together, and we were probably in you know, seventh grade. And, and by the grace of God, I, I, got, I went a different direction. He just stayed. And so he's, he's struggled with alcoholism for so long. And... and and we had a conversation with him and, and three of my friends this week on a conference call. And, and we basically said, hey, Brad, l listen, if you want to get better, this is what you really need to do. You need to go to a place like Renewal Ranch for nine months. Like you can't keep doing the same things. You need a rehab for nine months. You need to get away from the world to stop and pause. And he kept making excuses about why he couldn't do what we were telling him to do. Oh, I can't do that because, you know, I can't. I can't. So none of the treatment options we were suggesting he could do. And here's what I've learned in my life and your life. If you begin to define the parameters of your treatment options, then you really don't want to get better. You just want to feel better. And so when Jesus comes to us and says, hey, listen, I'm about to do something. Will you do anything I tell you? And we go, eh, I don't know. We don't really want Christ in our Christmas. We just want the shirt that says it. Right? We just want to post it, not live it. And then so Jesus shows up and he says to this man, listen, do you really want me to get involved in your life? And the guy hem hauls around a little bit, you know, and then Jesus does something cool. He heals him anyway. He's like, all right, you're healed. And he completely changes the guy's life. And I, for some reason, when I read this story, I imagine that it happened on December 24th. And every day had been the same, but now he'd had a real encounter with God. So December 25th could be different than every day had ever been for the rest of his life. This guy could get up and live differently. And later on in this conversation, Jesus asked him this question in verse 8. He says, Jesus said, and this is a question and a command. Jesus says to this man, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Let me tell you why it's a question. Because if you've been paralyzed for 38 years laying on the ground, and someone says to you, get up. What they're also saying is, do you believe that I have just changed your life? Do you believe that this encounter with me has had the power to do something? Do you believe that because you've encountered a real Jesus, a resurrected king, do you believe that everything can now be different? And so the man is asked a question, but then there's also a command that goes with it. And the command is, if you believe that what I'm saying is true, then let your life bear witness to what you claim to believe. If you believe that this encounter with me has changed you, then let your life bear some sort of witness 
to what you claim to believe. And then in verse 9, it says, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. You know what he did? He lived what he believed. He believed the encounter with Christ had changed him, and then his life bore witness to what he believed because he got up and he did something with this belief that he now had. His life was forever changed, and it wasn't just obvious because he showed up in church on Sunday, and it wasn't just obvious because he told everyone to put Christ in their Christmas. It was obvious because his life witnessed to his core belief, and his core belief was that man Jesus has changed me. And so I got three questions for you. What do you believe? What do you believe your encounter with Christ did in your life? What do you believe an encounter with Christ can do in your life? Second question, does your life bear witness to what you claim to believe? And the third question is, do you really want Christ in your Christmas? Listen, I have no desire to rain on anyone's parade day. This is not meant to be like a negative message. Um, I think Christmas, this is not the get Christmas trees out of your house. I'm not that guy. I don't care. I got a Christmas tree in my house. Like, have a Christmas tree, have parties, uh, spend time with friends and family and all of those things. But if someone is watching you, if, if aliens are watching you from the outside and they're monitoring your movements over the next 21 days, what will they assume is the main thing in your life? What will they assume is the main thing in your life? If aliens are watching and they're going, okay, let's see, this is this Christmas thing. Let's see what it's all about. Oh, okay. These people really love Walmart. We know that. They really love the outlet mall. We got that. Okay. And they, they appear to party a lot, you know, and they drink a lot and they blah, blah. Okay. They, they eat way more than any human should eat during this time of year. What we're, what's really important to us? What are they seeing? Are they seeing a life centered around what we say is the most important story in the entire world? Or are they seeing lives centered around our consumerism? I know for me and maybe for you, it's like, I've tried a lot more this time of year to make my life look like a Hallmark movie than I have to make my life look like biblical Christianity. And maybe you have too. What do you believe? I want to be real clear about a couple of things for you guys for this Christmas series so you can choose to check out today if you want to. We're not inviting you to a Christmas experience at Grace this year. You can get a Christmas experience at the mall. Okay, you can get a Christmas experience by watching said Hallmark movies, which are all pretty much the same. But um, I'm not inviting you to a, a program. Uh, I'm not inviting you to a spectacular. Uh, there will be no dancers on the stage. You can, you, there's lots of places to go watch dancers on the stage. This is not that. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying there's other options. That's all I'm saying. That didn't come out like I wanted it to. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Am I red? That's really not what I'm trying to say. It's really not what I'm trying to say. Here's what we're inviting you to. <laughs> yeah. Here's what we're inviting you to. A person. To encounter a person. A person who will take over your life and command your allegiance person who will meddle in your Christmas so much that your Christmas will never look the same. If you want an experience or a program, go find it, man. But don't come here for it. Come here for an authentic encounter with the king of the world, because that's all we're going to offer you. All we have to offer you is Jesus the Christ. That's all. That's all we got. 
And, and if that's not what you're looking for this Christmas, then this will be a very interesting journey for you. But what we're going to do over the next three weeks, and I'm super excited about this next three, four weeks, we're, we're going to look at Matthew. And we're going to say, what did Matthew believe about Jesus? Matthew from the Bible. What did he believe about Jesus? And then we're going to say, okay, if we believe what Matthew believed, how can we apply these things and bear witness to them in our life? And then do we really want Christ in our Christmas? We're going to do the same thing with Luke. We're going to do the same thing with John. We're going to look at what each one of these people believed. And then we're going to see, can we apply these things in our life? And what should you expect if you really buy into this series? If you really buy in, if you really, because I'm going to give you some challenges then. If you really buy in, what should you expect? Here's what you should expect this Christmas if you buy in. You should expect to have to abstain from some things. You should expect to have to work a little moderation into your life. You should expect sacrifice. You should expect selflessness. You should expect to not get to buy everything you want to buy. You should expect to let some things not be perfect so that you can focus more on the person. You should expect less of you and more of him. But the result of that, the result of that life will not be a Christmas you'll regret. The result of that will be a Christmas where Christ actually shows himself to the world through you. The result, if, if, if we take this journey together, this won't be a boring Christmas. This will be the greatest Christmas we have ever had. Because Christ will reveal himself to you and to the world in a brand new way. And so, do you want Christ in your Christmas? Listen, I'm not, I'm not like a um, conspiracy theorist, and I know many of you are, but I'm not. Um, it's cool, and we love each other. Like, I don't, I don't think you should not believe any of them, because some of them are probably true. But if you believe all of them, yeah, I don't know. But I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe there is a conspiracy about Christmas. I think it's a spiritual conspiracy. If, if we believe, guess the, think about, think about what, what we say we believe, and that is that the king of the world, God, the one who spoke a world into existence, this, that he actually implanted himself through his son, Jesus Christ, into the womb of a virgin and was born in a dirty barn, for the purpose of living a sinless life, dying on a cross, and saving the world. Now, if we believe that basic storyline, shouldn't this be the most sacred, focused time of the year? I mean, shouldn't this be the most peaceful, joyful time of the year? Shouldn't this be the most hopeful, enthusiastic? But is it? It meant depression goes higher during the holidays than any other time of year. Alcoholism goes higher during any time. Drug use, overeating, every single thing we struggle with is magnified a thousand times during this time of the year. Why is that? Why, why, why is this time, which is such a sacred, special time for us, why is this time the most distracting time of the entire world? How many of you are already burnt out on Christmas? I mean, it happens so fast. They start marketing it like Valentine's Day now. We're burned out. Let me tell you why I think it is. Revelation 12.1. I just can't get away from it. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain, and she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, 
who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God in his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon's angels, and they fought back. But the dragon and his angels weren't strong enough. They lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, and he leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. All right, so, so, so what's happened in this story? It, this is the cosmic behind-the-scenes Christmas story, right? You get this, G Jesus is, is born, and instantly the enemy goes to work trying to destroy him, but he can't kill Jesus. Satan has no power over Jesus, so what does he do? He goes after the offspring. He goes after the sons and daughters of the king, and that's you. We are the sons and daughters of the king, and he goes after us, and he's trying to distract us from everything. That's what the enemy does this time of year. He can't convince you that there is no God. He can't convince you that there is no Jesus. So what's he do? Distracts you and makes your belief completely impotent. He takes all the power out of what you believe. And what happens for us is, for many, many Christians, we have a belief in God that's no more powerful than my belief in Pluto. I mean, think about it. I believe in Pluto. So do, so do many of you. Does anything in your life really bear witness to your Pluto belief? You know it's there. If someone says, do you believe in Pluto? Yeah. I've even been to a planetarium a few times, right? I mean, I believe in it, but is that how our belief in Jesus should work? Yeah, I believe in him. I've been to church. So what? Is there any power in what you believe? Does anything in your life bear witness to what you claim to believe? Because he, what he wants to do, what he wants to do is, is, is make your belief just background noise, and so that your life, make your belief on a back shelf so that you can really carry on with everything you really truly love and ignore the one you say you believe in. Make that a background noise, and then I can do whatever I want, and I still feel safe because I said I believed in him. But nothing in my life bears any witness to what I claim to believe. And when the enemy does that, when he distracts us to the point where our belief becomes background noise, he wins the battle. And we lose the whole point of what we exist to do. What do you believe? Will your life bear witness to what you claim to believe? See, Christmas, we get distracted, and there's a battle going on. There's a battle for our attention. There's a battle for our hearts and minds. And the enemy is speaking loud. He speaks loud through consumerism, and he speaks loud through selfishness, and he speaks loud through us trying to make our little kids the center of the entire universe. And he speaks loud through every single way he distracts us. But God is speaking too. God is not silent during Christmas. You ever notice how you can be doing something at your home that's not focused the least bit on Jesus, and you know, you're, you're doing a tree, and that stuff's fun and cooking and all the things, and you'll notice a background noise on your television. And it's a cartoon. And it's a cartoon where one of the little characters says, in a decree went out from Caesar Augustus for all the world. Does anyone know what cartoon I'm talking about? Charlie Brown. Let me ask you this. Is Charlie Brown evangelizing more in your home this year than you are? Whose job is it to read the Christmas story to your family and your kids? Whose job is it to read the Bible? Is it Charlie Brown's job now to tell the to put the Christ in my Christmas? Because I'll be honest, I, I can't even watch that Charlie Brown show anymore. I've seen it too many times. That should be my job, and that should be your job. God is speaking, and he wants to speak through you, but he'll use Charlie if we sit there silently. He'll speak through rocks if we don't worship him. He wants to use you. 
He wants us to stop and pause and think, okay, what am I really doing? What does this really mean? And what's my life really about? And do I really, really want Christ in my Christmas? Because if I do, then some things have to be different. In that Revelation verse, I didn't read the whole thing, but at the end of it, it said they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. If you really want Christ in your Christmas, guys, again, I'm not, have fun, man. Enjoy family. Enjoy, enjoy if you're off school. Or off, enjoy those things. Love those things. But what's the main thing? Because if the main thing is the Christ, then some other things might have to die a little. Some other things might have to die just a little. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, um, as, as a visible way for us to allow our lives to bear witness to what we claim to believe, I'm going to challenge you guys to three things for the next seven days. And if you got your pen, get your pen out. Um, if you don't want Christ in your Christmas, don't do any of these things. Because remember, if he shows up, he sometimes, typically when Jesus is in, he's in charge. You know, he's not normally like hanging out in the back seat just going, hey, wherever you want to go, man. He's not your college buddy. Who, like, if he's in, he's in charge. But we're going to do some things that I think will help us uh, center ourselves around what this is all designed to be. And the first thing we're going to do is this. Uh, the first thing I'm going to challenge you to is to pray for seven days over those three questions. For, th for seven days, uh, th those, those three questions that I talked about, uh, what do you believe? Does your life bear witness to what you claim to believe? And do you want Christ? Pray over those in community, meaning you're accountable to someone. I mean, it can be saying it can be you guys, right? You and Zach together. Y'all can pray together. It can be a husband and wife. It can be a significant other. It can be a father and child. It doesn't matter. It can be your small group, your community. If you don't have someone to pray with, you can't find somebody, we'd love to hook you up with somebody and get you connected. Uh, but find a way to pray this prayer for seven days inside of community. And for some of you guys, it's going to be a real challenge because it's going to need to be out loud. You can't sit with your wife and just, we're both praying it. Trust me, honey, I'm praying. It was good, too. It was a good prayer. No, like, men, men, speak it. Pray it. Speak the words, okay? And I know it's hard. She's not expecting you to be a Billy Graham. She knew who you were when she married you. All right? But it's okay. Here's the, here's the second challenge. Second challenge, I'm asking us all to read uh, the first five chapters of Matthew. It's a lot. I know it's a lot. Like, it might even interfere with one of the Hallmark movies. If we really have to stop on the middle of a Monday night and read Matthew, I mean, you know, then we're not going to get to see how she met that guy at the country store and whether <laughs> when it was snowing in that little small town after she left New York and, and got her book published. We're not going to know how it ends. <laughs> they get married. They get married and Christmas comes. There, I just saved you every Hallmark movie for the rest of the season. All right, so read five. And the reason we're doing five chapters is the first couple are sort of about the, the, uh, the, the genealogy and all that kind of stuff, but re read it. It has purpose. Read it. Uh, you're reading the family tree, the, the human family tree of, of, a, of a God who's completely God and completely human. But then you'll get to Matthew chapter 5, and that may be my favorite chapter of the Bible, and it's probably one Christians should read really often, okay? Here's the third one. These are getting progressively more difficult. The third one is this. On Tuesdays, for those who are able... And that means if you're pregnant, don't do this. If you're diabetic, don't do this. If you have some, you know, sugar issues. But for those of us who are able, I'm asking us all to fast together from sunrise until sunset on Tuesdays. From and that means there's a loophole. You can get up and have your Pop-Tart at 4 a.m., right? Uh, but for those of us who are able, and, 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 and a you drink water in a fast, and you can have black coffee in the morning in a fast. Um, 
And when I say fast, I mean food. Don't be like, I'm fasting cigarettes and you've never smoked. That's not, that's not a fast. <laughs> I'm fasting dealing with people I don't like. That's not a fast, okay? Uh, and uh, like fast food, because I can promise you this, food is something you will miss. And there's something spiritual about going without. Matter of fact, pretty sure Jesus did it before he started his ministry. He went in the desert and he fasted. And so if you are able, I'm asking, and, and, and then you will break fast together at, at dinner at sundown. Um, and during that fast, pray. Pray that God would move in our church. Pray that God would move in, in community. Uh, pray that this Christmas would be unlike any other Christmas we've ever experienced. And so if you're willing to, to do those three things, even if you're not, man, I love you and we want you here, but um, for those of you who, who want to, I think, it'll, I think it'll be a cool experience for us that we'll begin to really center ourselves around what we claim to be the center of the story. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.